Welcome back to the Nuggets Inc. podcast. Back here at the corporate headquarters of Sofa Source. You want a sofa? Go to the source. Mike Singer sitting across from me. Free agency has begun. Massive signing for DeAndre Jordan. Everybody's excited about this DeAndre Jordan signing. And and Bruce Brown just agreed to terms with the Nuggets. So I think it's safe to say, Mike, and would you say this? The Nuggets have made the moves that they were going to make, and this is the team that the Nuggets are going to have moving forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, depending on what happens with Vlatko, I think all 15 roster spots are taken up now. Uh, you know, acting GM Calvin Booth. Is Vlatko still going to be around? We'll see. I, I think so, but we'll see on that. But, um, you know, acting general manager Calvin Booth had a mandate to improve the defense. He, he I'll call it a self-prescribed mandate. He talked about it at his when he kind of assumed the, the so responsibilities. So why do you sign DeAndre Jordan then? When he re- assumed the responsibilities for Tim Connolly, um, and, and he did improve on the wing. Uh, I think the DeAndre Jordan one is fair to question, and I certainly think it's interesting that Seemingly, that deal was lined up. It, it happened within a minute or two of free agency starting. Roundly panned. Yeah, roundly panned, but also... By, by every, not just, like, Nuggets fans on Twitter, like, people around the league, all sorts of folks being like, why? Why, yeah. why did this just happen? Yeah, but, I mean, I also reported it was one year for a veteran's minimum. Like, Right, so not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money, and if you remember last season, uh, they ended up signing DeMarcus Cousins in January. So it's not as if this could like there's the potential for for there to be a different iteration if uh, DeAndre Jordan does not work out. So continuing the tradition of the Nuggets squandering the backup center position, we now bring in DeAndre Jordan. I mean, they underutilized Isaiah Hartenstein, underutilized if used at all, JaVale McGee. Yeah, didn't um, even use him. Traded for him. Mason Plumley left because he didn't have a role. Uh, and didn't have a big enough Wait, role. Wait, hold on. He had a role. He had a role, but he was not content and wanted a bigger role. That's why he left. Sure. So He's getting a lot of money wh- for that What have role. we learned here? Uh, that it's very hard to appease a center who is backing up the best center in the NBA. It's very hard to find a perfect complementary role. Now, I do wonder what they told DeAndre Jordan. Do they expect him to play? Do they expect him to, to rest on certain nights? Do they expect if Joker needs a rest, uh, could we see DeAndre Jordan starting? Uh, that will be, uh, I'm sure everyone will love that, uh, you know, who's all up in arms already. <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I'm not really sure, you know, what exactly the motivation was other than probably, uh, financial. And at the end of the day, does it matter that much who is backing up the MVP? I would say, yes, it does matter to at least some degree. Uh, we saw what happened last year with the Nuggets when they decided this is a new age of basketball where backup centers are no longer needed. They ended up having to go and scrounge and get somebody off of the waiver wire. The other thing we're going to say is that um, what the decision to sign DeAndre Jordan, whether explicitly stated or not, uh, let's connect some dots and use some intuition here. It is a referendum on how they felt about DeMarcus Cousins, who was productive in his three-plus months in Denver. And certainly on the court, he brought it. I remember that game five against Golden State. Probably the third or fourth best, yeah, third or fourth best player in the playoffs, right? I, like, he carried the second unit for 
stretches. Yeah, he he like I said, he was productive. Um, but you have to ask yourself: be a discerning a discerning consumer and a discerning fan. Why didn't they bring him back? What what do we not know? Um, we know what his reputation is, and, and and did that rub some people the wrong way? So, I, I think that again, probably a referendum on Demarcus and the idea that I mean. DeAndre Jordan's been around some winning teams. You know, we, we can say whatever we want about him and his age, and he's 34 and he's unproductive, all that. He's a cheap backup option who presumably wanted to come to Denver and was okay with whatever role they were telling him and he was going to get. By all accounts, a very, very good guy. A guy that people like to have around in the locker room who's supportive and seems to be a positive influence, at least in that way. So. Just to say something nice about DeAndre Jordan after saying, wait, this guy probably still can't play NBA-level basketball. Uh, I just got a text from uh, NBA TV or TNT's Jared Greenberg. Oh, uh, name asking, drop. Asking me a very Can we call him Greeny, too? Can we also call him Greeny? No, there's already one Greeny. There's one Greeny? All yeah. right. No, Jared Greenberg's my boy, and um, he, he texts me. He goes, am I reading too much into this, or does the fact that they just went and got DeAndre – and then they just signed Bruce Brown, also a Brooklyn Net. Is there some some backdoor shenanigans going on and trying to get into the Kevin Durant sweepstakes? Okay, it should be noted that Kevin Durant has requested to be traded. Uh, and then Mike Singer promptly, within an hour or two, threw a big old wet blanket on the idea that he'll be coming to the Nuggets. And why? Because of some Byzantine NBA collective bargaining agreement rules that state... You can only have one player on your roster on a max deal. You can't trade. No, no, no. You can't trade for two guys who have rookie scale max extensions. Which again, so, okay. So, so why? Ben Simmons qualifies already as that for the Brooklyn Nets, um, and and so therefore, unless the Nets were to trade Ben Simmons as well, they would not be allowed to trade for Michael Porter Jr who fit that description because he signed a five-year max before Jamal Murray before last season, as well as Jamal Murray, which, uh, you know, start doing iterations of the trade. And I'm not sure what pieces the Nuggets have that would entice uh, the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant. Um, that aside, I do appreciate Greeny's uh, attempts at, uh, at, you know, stirring up some stuff. All right. So let's get to the trade that actually did happen for the Nuggets. Contavious Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith coming to the Nuggets for Will Barton, everybody's favorite, Will Barton, and Monty Morris. Now that one kind of stings a little bit. Monty, great contract, great player, great guy to have in the locker room. Would have been a great backup point guard, but hey, maybe he's no longer interested in being a backup point guard anymore. But that being said, Contavious Caldwell Pope, great 3 and D player, part of the defensive reshaping of the Nuggets that Mr. Singer has been talking about. Uh, is he, what, their best perimeter defender now, would you say? Or is it Aaron Gordon? Well, first of all, does KCP have a relationship with Kevin Durant? Let's uh, let's do some digging. I believe he's clutch, isn't he? He's a clutch client. Yeah, I'm just playing. I'm just being a jerk. Um, but listen, they had targeted Contavious Caldwell-Pope going as far back as the trade deadline, and they wanted him at the what, trade what, deadline. What were they offering for him at the trade deadline? Um, 
I think Jamichael Green would have needed to be involved in that trade, but the problem uh, was that— Which shouldn't have been a problem at all. No, but remember, Jamichael Green had a veto, and Austin Rivers had a veto, and and guys that would have needed to grease any trade— Would have had to sign off on Would have had to sign off, and they didn't want to. So, uh, ultimately, they end up getting their guy, KCP. The point of KCP is— you yes, you needed to improve defensively. You had Aaron Gordon as your lead defender. Floor spacer. You had Aaron Gordon as your lead defender taking bigger wings, but he was also in charge of stopping ones and twos, and that will not be the case next year. You will have KCP to handle dynamic ones and twos and have Aaron Gordon there to handle three and four. Look, the Nuggets knew if Michael Porter Jr. is healthy and he is going to be on the floor, we need to improve around Michael Porter Jr., who is our biggest our biggest defensive liability. So how can we do that? We we put plus defenders around him. They, if Jamal is a neutral defender, if if, if Joker's a neutral uh, defender, then we just added two really good defenders. Uh, I mean, obviously you had Aaron, Gor- Aaron Gordon there, but KCP is, is a significant improvement over Will Barton on that end. Okay, so here's your starting five for the Denver Nuggets. I'll read this off to you. Jamal Murray, KCP. I'm, I'm assuming he's the two, right? Uh, yes. Aaron Gordon, probably a three. MPJ, you're four. Nikola Jokic, obviously, you're five. That's a pretty good starting five. So it's a really good starting five. And, and Bones, as long as everybody's healthy. And Bones is your six. And, again, the Monte Morris trade um, was a pretty big gamble on Bones, and it was a belief that he that Bones can handle um, starting point guard responsibilities and, 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 and a, again, a referendum that they wanted the ball in Bones' hands. Um, I think he's also was, cheaper, by I, the way, for sure. But I also think that there was a belief that if you got into the season and uh, one of those guys was relegated to a smaller role, that immediately loses trade value in, in both Bones, in, in either one of Bones or Monte. But think about this: Monte only had two years left on his deal. Um, if they did not pull the trigger on a on a Monte trade they might have had to trade him over the next two years at, at a certain point, going into the deadline or this next summer. Because if Monte Morris was a free agent right now, I mean, we just saw, you know, JaVale McGee's making $7 million a year. Like, Monte Morris could command $13, 14 $15 million a year. Making nine, nine and a half? He's nine? making nine right now. And he could command 13 14 or $15 um, if he was a free agent right now. So that is a very good value play by the Washington Wizards, who we knew uh, wanted a veteran point guard and had been targeting Monte. Um, and, and just, you know, the Nuggets were reticent to get involved with him on draft, to get involved with the Washington Wizards on draft day. Um, but ultimately, KCP was the guy they needed uh, to improve defensively. And the fact that it took Monte to, to move Will um, is another again. I keep talking about referendums. Is an indication of, of Will's standing in the league and how teams view him. It was hard to get off of him, and they needed to include a player of Monte's caliber to do it. Will Barton gets to go home. Uh, I'm sure of all of the places that he could have gone, that's got to be one of the places that he's happy that he ends up. Right. I, I mean, I, I realize he's not going to contender, but that's where he's from. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's happy, but he also views himself as a starter, and in all likelihood, he will not be a starter in Washington. Um, 
if that's where he settles. Like, you know, is he content coming off the bench, playing behind Bradley Beal, um, you know, playing, uh, I, you know, they got Rui, they have Kuzma. Like, they they have a pretty they, – they've created a pretty quality team in Washington, and and that's Wes Unsell Jr., man. He, he, he identified Monte and said, yeah, that's a guy I want running my team because Monte is such a, a valuable, reliable point guard. So I don't know what this means for Will. Um, I shot him a note. I said, I appreciated your help. Um, you know, I always enjoyed working with you. And, you know, he said he appreciated it. He told me before um, that he's well aware of how fans viewed him and and kind of the animosity that he elicited. And, like, there's no doubt that that, 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 that he carried that. There's no doubt that he ever, like, compartmentalized that and forgot about that. Like it, I think it did affect him when he, he, he knew that fans piled on him and blamed him and called him the scapegoat. Um, but at the same time, keep in mind, he was elevated in his role last year. And if, and I always say this, if it wasn't Will taking the shots, did you want Jeff Green taking the shots? Did you want Aaron Gordon taking the jumpers? Like it was a trickle down effect of all the injuries that they've had. Right. Yeah. He was asked to do something he probably shouldn't have been. So, um, Will Barton uh, goes away. Who who takes the Will Barton conch as player that Nuggets fans are just going to complain incessantly about? Who who is it? Aaron Gordon is it now on Aaron Gordon to be the the scapegoat, if you will, um, in this next iteration of the Nuggets? I don't think so. I mean, Aaron Gordon's going to look a lot better this season than he did last year. Um, He's not going to be asked to carry the same offensive load. He's going to have help offensively and defensively. That's not insignificant. And so I think we may see the best version of AG. Um, you know, and we did see the best version of AG for those, you know, nine like hallowed games before Jamal Murray tore his ACL. That was when they were at full strength. So again, the floor space and the attention that Joker, MPJ, Jamal commands, Aaron Gordon's going to have so much room. That uh, if he trusts that that three point shot and he trusts that jumper, um, he is. I think he's going to find pay dirt just because of how much attention other you know the, the other defenders are, are kind of paying to to their big three um, in, in their offensive attack. I, I apologize. Right now, our, our producer Aaron's dog is uh, basically screwing up all of our technical equipment because it needs love at all times. Um, We'll get back to the show right now. Um, all right, so let's go to the NBA draft. Nuggets end up trading for an extra pick. They have a twenty, the twenty-first overall pick, the thirtieth overall pick. At twenty-one, they get Christian Brown, not Braun. Well done, Christian Brown. I was pretty sure you were going to screw up that pronunciation. Out of Kansas, uh, role role player for a national championship team, who apparently. The Nuggets just loved because he was not ranked high in a lot of different draft mocks, but they end up taking him in 21 and they were convinced he was going to go in the 20s no matter what happened. So uh, in the aftermath of the draft, um, Kansas coach Bill Self uh, did a press conference and he said that uh, there was a possibility that teams were interested in drafting Christian Brown in the mid-teens. That's what he had heard. Noted paragon of virtue. Hater. Uh, and then he, he also said that there was a chance that he could have gone at 18. Uh, look back at the draft. 
number 18 was the Chicago Bulls and our guy, Arturis uh, Karnasovas. So, you know, was there a chance there at 18? Was there a chance at 19 with the Minnesota Timberwolves and new president Tim Connolly? Um, I can tell you there was some concern that Christian was going to get selected before he got to the Nuggets at 21, um, and I think they were thrilled to get him. I don't think there were too many prospects that they were as comfortable taking as a, as Christian as they were taking Christian at 21. I do know that they liked um, Jalen okay. Williams, the kid out of Santa Clara, but I, I believe he went as high as number 12. Bochamp was still on the board. Again, they had Christian Brown circled for years. They had identified him, scouted him, done their research. This dude wins at all levels. He's a jack of all trades, not elite at anything, but good at a lot of things. He's the right size. He's six foot seven. They view him as a shooting guard, not as a wing. So when you look at Is it, he in- athletic enough to keep up with the best twos in the league. I mean, does, if he's not athletic, that's a little scary. I think that he is athletic enough, and he's long enough, and he competes. So at six <laughs> at six foot seven, a versatile, competitive, fiery guy. Um, Thunder Dan Marley reincarnate. I mean, maybe, but I think they were thrilled to get him. Um, and you know, when when you're playing forty minutes in the national championship game, you're doing something right. When you've won multiple state championships, you're doing something right. Wait, what state? Hold on, what state? Uh, Kansas. Kansas State Championship. Are we? I are mean, we impressed by that? I don't know. I would like you to rank this this the the quality of state basketball. You know, across all fifty. Like, well, certainly Kansas isn't in the top ten. Okay. Regardless, he won when he played. So um, I think that they were thrilled. They don't even have all of Kansas City in Kansas. So wait, wait, Wichita. We we bring in our town out of Wichita. I'm gonna mute you very soon. So then, be, with that extra first-round pick that they got in the Jamichael Green trade, they end up taking UCLA's Peyton Watson, who... Who didn't play all that much at UCLA. Did not play a lot. His numbers were underwhelming. I think he only averaged three points a game last year. It's a head-scratcher from... Lost on offense. It, it, it's a head-scratcher from a lot of different perspectives until you start to look at the context of what happened with UCLA's team. They returned the majority of their roster from a Final Four team, which is why Peyton couldn't crack the rotation or didn't get consistent minutes. And I can tell you firsthand that uh, this is a guy who Calvin Booth believes can be a defensive ace. That he he called him a guy with all defensive potential. If if there's one thing, if you did watch him in college, one thing that stood out is yes, defensively, this guy knows what he's doing. He's athletic great positioning, has good instincts, all that. The problem is is that as soon as the ball got in his hands, he was giving it back to the other team. Well, the Nuggets... So clearly a project, right? Like He's not going to be playing a lot of minutes this year. I do think that he is a project. I also was told that there were teams that were after Peyton Watson, that this was not just a Nuggets, uh, you know, reach for lack of a better phrase. There were teams that were interested in him um, that were ready to swoop on Peyton Watson. So um, I, I, talking to people after the draft, I cannot express to you how over the moon this front office was in, in that everything fell correctly for them. In- well, okay, hold on. I'm just going to quick interrupt you on that. 
have I, have you ever heard a front office not be over the moon after a draft? Has that ever happened in the history of the NBA? That's fair. But look, at the end of Calvin Booth's press conference that night, I asked him, I said, Cal, was that fun? And, you know, this is his first draft that he's conducted. And he goes, it never goes the way you think it's going to go. And it did. And he was like overjoyed that like every iteration that they had, this is what they planned. These were their guys that they wanted. And then an over or an undervalued aspect of that night is when they ended up getting um, Colin Gillespie, uh, who they signed to a two-way deal uh, out of Villanova. Michael Malone, a giant fan of him. I could see him playing the Faku role, maybe the Marcus Howard role, um, you know, in the offense if Jamal needs a night off or, or, or if Bones is hurt or something like that. Like, I think that there is a lot of trust in Colin Gillespie. And then, you know, we didn't even talk about this, but they traded into the second round and got a, a highly athletic backup center uh, from France. His name is Ishmael Kamagate. And... Like again, is he I, coming over right away? No, he's not. He's going to stay in Europe next season. But um, the Nuggets, I, I think it's fair to say, have had success with with obscure second round centers. One. Is that is that with fair one, to say? With one of them, yes. With one of them, yes. So um, I think that they are. You know, they were really excited to get all of their targets, including Kamagate, including Gillespie. Really, the night went as well as it could have gone for them. Um, it, you know, if you if you can look past the uh, you know the rose colored glasses that most front offices uh, tend to tend to have uh, in the wake of draft night. Okay, so I've got the the depth chart in front of me right here. We already said the starting five. Bones Highland is your backup point guard, correct? Your two is what, Bruce Brown? Who's your two? Because uh, it doesn't look like you're going to get Austin Rivers back, right? It's it's probably going to be Christian Brown. Um, Christian Cri- Brown will be your backup. I'm going to slate him as your backup two. You're going to have uh, Bruce Brown probably as your backup three. Uh, obviously, that's a lot of playmaking that you're asking Bones to do. Right. But... You yeah, got Jeff Green on that on that I unit think, as well. I right? think Bones doesn't mind the ball in his hand. No, <laughs> no, he'll be fine with that. Right. So yeah, you just run through that. You got you got Bones, Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, and the Brown Boys, and Jeff Green. Brown then, Boys replaced the Green Boys. DJ, and then you got DeAndre Jordan. So you're asking a lot. Of Bones Highland, you are expecting that Christian Brown can immediately come in and hit threes. It, it, you know that's the one area of his game that I think was a little bit lacking, just a little bit inconsistent, and and maybe some hesitation to to hoist from three when he did have open looks. But if that comes around, man, they feel that they got a a total player in Christian Brown, and they and and maybe his maybe they kind of need it though, don't they? And like- maybe his shooting gets highlighted and showcased on that second unit because there's not a ton more playmaking, uh, but at least they have some lob threats in Jeff Green <laughs> and uh, DeAndre Jordan. Wait, is, is DeAndre Jordan a lob threat still? Are we sure about that? It's unclear. <laughs> I will cue up some YouTube highlights from a few years ago, <laughs> and that will answer that question. So, um, yeah, if, if Christian Brown doesn't work out, then who is that backup to? Who? What, what's, what's their other options there? Marcus Howard, gone, right? Colin Gillespie? 
It's not a, I mean, they're rookies. Like, give them a chance to breathe a little bit. I'm just saying, like, that they're going to need some sort of backup help there, and I'm just trying to figure how out many who it teams, is. How many teams go 10-11 deep? Like, you know. The teams that want to win a title generally do. Not not in the playoffs. You end up going seven or eight deep. Yeah, so, but you need them for the regular season. You need to have guys that look, can eat. Look, there is a lot of faith that Christian Brown is going to be a reliable NBA player and in due time be a starter level NBA player within the Nuggets. And Davon Reed probably pretty. We didn't even mention Davon. Probably Reed. pretty important, right? Like so. There you go. There's your answer. If if Christian Brown. Um, you know, quote unquote falters, then you have Davon Reed, who has been very reliable when he's played in spot minutes. So that's a lot of size, man. Davon Reed, Bruce Brown, um, KCP, like this team got better defensively. You can criticize DeAndre Jordan. You can criticize, you know, losing Monte Morris, but they got better defensively, which was the mandate. And guess what? You're not going to need to get better on the offensive end because you got two freaking max players coming back alongside the two-time MVP. You bolster the defense, and then this team can get scary. Are, but here, are you a little worried about the miles that you're going to ask out of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Yes, there is a gamble. There is a gamble when you move Monte Morris, who is a steady, reliable point guard. Um, but you, it's also a referendum on Jamal's health. They believe that Jamal will be able to return to you know 30-plus minutes a night. The scarier one is Michael Porter. I don't know how confident they are that he will remain healthy throughout the entire five-year contract. Like That's a scary proposition. That's going to go against recent precedent. Of course it will, but... I've, as I've been saying for multiple, you know, multiple episodes and for months, you know, on the Denver, DenverPost.com, like the next few, the next two to three years are really the window. Like if, if you believe that Porter won't stay healthy, then maximize these couple years. And, you know, I also reported that, um, when they traded for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who is a free agent after this season, there is an interest in retaining him beyond this upcoming year. What do you think it's going to cost? Um, it probably depends on what this year looks like, but he's making 14 million right now. I think that a lot of people would argue that that 14 million is a hell of a lot better spent than 14 million dollars on Will Barton. So, what is everyone all up in arms about? It it costs. I think it. it's mainly the DJ signing, and, and it, it's not. I I get what and you're it's saying. It's barely more than two million dollars. No, I get what you're saying. It's not a lot of money. I it, I think it's just seeing. Wait, they're making the same mistake here in a position that they've made mistakes in the last few years. Can we talk about centers for two seconds? Uh, John Krasinski, my boy at The Athletic, he uh, he writes that in the wake of the first day of free agency, Tim Connolly was interested in signing JaVale McGee and Isaiah Hartenstein. Interesting two names. Two guys that couldn't see the floor in Denver. Interesting two names. Uh, and says all you need to know about who was a fan of said centers. Um, Isaiah Hardenstein ends up going to the Knicks, I think two years, 16, uh, JaVale McGee goes three years, 20 for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, there's value there. And for whatever reason, those guys did not see the court or, or enough of the court. Uh, and, and that's how we find ourselves in the Deandre Jordan cyclone of NBA free agency. That's the name of the new podcast, the Deandre Jordan cyclone. So now that They've done what they've done in free agency, and we're not going to do that, by the way. Um, the uh, the players that maybe the Nuggets might have targeted that they didn't get 
or maybe we're just right underneath Bruce Brown and DeAndre Jordan. Um, who who are those guys? Who who else could have come here, or maybe they were interested in, but they weren't interested in coming to Denver. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna parse out who was interested in what. Like the names that we have mentioned before, we had mentioned KCP on this podcast before. We ha- and Correct. that was a trade. We had mentioned, um, you know, Gary Harris had come up, and I don't know that 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 there was ever anything serious there. Uh, but Gary Harris. Again, I'm making a stink face. It's right fine. Now. Again, just look at the wings who were available: Gary Harris, Victor Oladipo, um, Gary Payton. I, I think. Ooh, right, I love that. I think that the Nuggets would have liked to have gotten involved in him, but you know, he ends up going three for twenty-eight to. Um, That's to out the, of their price range to the Portland Trailblazers. They didn't have that money available. Correct. So uh, ultimately, they landed on on a defensive guy. They didn't overpay for him. They're, they're presumably going to use their taxpayer uh, exception, $6.5 million a year, which is all that they could have offered, and they got a piece of value. You know, So before we widely pan Calvin Booth's quote-unquote aggressive offseason, let's let it shake out because anybody who watched this team just give up like dozens and dozens of drives last year and couldn't contain the ball, their point-of-attack defense was underwhelming uh, to be kind you know, it got addressed and you're going to get healthy. Like, let this come to fruition before, before, you know, and everybody was saying, does, does, hold on. Let me, let me interrupt you real quick. Does it hurt? You're a fan of interrupting. <laughs> Keep going. Does it hurt the, the nuggets that Austin Rivers isn't going to be in the fold? Cause I feel like he was one of their best defenders last year. Yes, it hurts them, but Bruce Brown is a good addition. And, and bringing Davon Reed back so that he can participate in the playoffs this season is a good addition. Um, I don't think that anybody with the Nuggets cares that the mocks did not have Christian Brown at 21 or Peyton Watson at 30. I'm pretty sure that a lot of the front offices don't even look at the mocks. And maybe they say that, and that's a nice, you know, kitschy thing to say post-draft. And maybe I'm gullible and naive, and I will accept all that criticism. I don't think they care at all, and, and this is how drafts work. If you at have all, not if, even a little bit, not a, not even a little bit. If you have a guy, take the guy. What happened in the 2017 draft? The Nuggets got cute. They tried to trade down. They wanted to take OG Ananobi. That's who Tim Connolly wanted. Tim Connolly will tell you he screwed up the 2017 draft. The infamous Tyler Lydon, Donovan Mitchell, um, Trey Lyles. They were all involved in the 2017 draft. And then what happens? Toronto comes in and swoops in, swoops up OG before the Nuggets could take him after they traded down. Take your guy and don't regret getting cute. That's what I think they did, and that's why I'm going to let it play out before I judge. Um, Isn't it also getting cute, though, when you're selecting somebody who's way above what everybody else rates him as? If you care. I mean, it, it, let, I'll say this. If that's how they had him raised, rated and they – obviously do their homework and they believe in their evaluation system good on them that's i my, hope it works that's my I ho- favorite I ho- thing that's my favorite thing when we give instant grades when we've watched two and a half minutes of youtube highlights and they have talked to Wait, I, I watched the ncaa tournament i watched college sorry, basketball sorry two minutes and 45 seconds of <laughs> youtube highlights 
And we, we think that we have this intel and we can project. I mean, these dudes are paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. But hold on. Gr- you know, Greater Joe is uh, is going to pan their pick. Like, well, we hold on, hold on. Let me, we wait, don't wait, have wait. a relationship wait with a Bill second, Self. Wait a second. There's all sorts of guys that spend their entire year evaluating prospects that write. Right. And they've they've probably watched plenty of film to make well, decent evaluations or it's well. not you so no. i don't feel comfortable no, although i in- did watch a lot of peyton watson and i feel like i can have a pretty informed opinion about him i i don't i can't say the same about christian brown i'm more of a pac-12 guy although the pac-12 just died yesterday pour one out yeah r.i.p big 10 is is nothing sacred <laughs> can't wait for that ucla rutgers matchup oh that's gonna be great the long history of uh, UCLA and Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh boy. Shout out Badgers. All right. So let's let's take a global view here, Mike Singer. Okay. Let, let's let's look at what's going on around the league, where we're at. Okay. The Golden State Warriors just lost some kind of a significant piece. I would say Gary Payton swung the NBA Finals. That they. I think it would be safe to say that, you know, unless some guys improve, they're going to be about level, right? About level to what they were at this year. I don't, I don't, I don't see them making some big leap in this. If they season. can keep, if they can keep Kevon Looney, then uh, Golden State is still going to be a steam emoji problem. Yes, but, but, but not so much of a problem that they're prohibitive favorites. Although Chris Haynes of Yahoo just reports that Otto Porter uh, Jr. is going to the Toronto Raptors on a two-year deal. That's a loss. That's another loss, although not a huge loss. I don't think Kevon, Otto... They need to keep Kevon Looney after losing Peyton and Otto Porter Jr. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. They're, they're getting her on the wing right now, right? Yes. Safe to say. Getting her on the wing. Kaminga, you better be ready, buddy. And Moses Moody. M- Moody Mo- M- M- Moses Moody. <laughs> that was great. Uh, uh, all right, so there, there's them. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, they seem like they're loaded for bear. They're going to be good. Alarming because uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. out for four to six months uh, with, after having stress fracture surgery, uh, I believe, yesterday. So Missing until uh, about December, right? Uh, yes. I'm doing the math in my math head right major. now. Um, if I remember correctly, he was my defensive player of the year vote, by the way. So... A significant the guy who couldn't stop fouling out the guy who was a beast for a top five defense and could switch onto the wing and handle his own on and, smaller and foul wings. that wing so anyways uh memphis is still going to be good in due time you know we mentioned minnesota like it's gonna get hairy with timberwolves it there part of me part of me really really hopes that we get a nuggets timberwolves first round second round playoff series the that will be so juicy and you know Arturis leaves he goes to the Bulls the only time you're going to see the Bulls in the finals there is a high likelihood that the Nuggets see the Timberwolves in the next two to three years in the postseason I think it's safe to say that they're going to be jockeying for position at the top of the division right it's going to be Portland's not going to be at the top Right. Utah, what, I don't know who even knows what's going to happen with Utah over the next few days. And um, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's those two, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there. if there wasn't a rivalry brewing already, which there very well might have been, uh, we might be entering that territory with, you know, the cat joker stuff with 
Tim leaving Denver to go run a division rival, with the Nuggets letting that happen, with Ant Edwards just being awesome, um, and uh, old friend uh, Malik Beasley, old friend Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Ryan Saunders, now an assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets, and Michael Malone. There, Fired by Minnesota. There, there's a oh, and Calvin Booth, who used to be in Minnesota's front office. There is a uh, lot of interbreeding going on <laughs> between uh, the Nuggets and the Timberwolves, um, and you know Tim went and got Kyle Anderson, who would have been a, a really nice addition in Denver. Very good pickup. Uh, I just think that there's, I just it's hard for me to see those two teams avoiding each other. Um, as they rise in the Western Conference. And, and and the Timberwolves are coming, man. They, I mean, I realize they haven't had the same success as Denver, but, like, they're on the come up. And, and they got a trade chip that maybe people want. Yeah, and they got D'Angelo Russell, who who could potentially be flipped um, for big, another piece. Big salary that can bring back a big salary. Yeah, and, and they've been interested. They've reportedly been interested in, um, you know, Rudy Gobert in landing a significant, I mean, Nikola Jokic is not going to – Nikola Jokic could struggle seeing the kind of size that they could throw at you with a Rudy Gobert and a cat playing the four. Like, you know, it's hard to it's hard to believe that Tim goes to Minnesota and completely forgets, oh, by the way, I was just, it, I was just running an organization with the most dominant big man in the NBA. Uh, what can I do to stop this, this Joker character? All right. The other part of the West – uh, the Clippers, they're going to be tough again, right? They're, 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 That's the other thing. How can we judge what the West or the East looks like until we know where KD and Kyrie land up? And, and are they going to play together? Come on now. You don't get to dictate that. You just asked out. You right. don't get to decide where you go. And that's Sorry. a lot of salary to move Sorry, to Kevin. bring back in a trade. I don't know how you move that much salary and are able to go to the same destination. Man. If the owners aren't pissed about Kevin Durant handpicking the Brooklyn Nets, signing a five-year deal, and then bolting one year into the deal or so, requesting out. Tell, tell me this. How does he have leverage? He's got four years left on his deal. How does he have leverage over the Nets? Are they just really like, oh, we don't want to have this guy around because he, he'll be malcontent? And that's it? Like I To mean, me, I, I don't understand... How they can't just be like, okay, sorry, Kevin, you signed, you got four years left on your deal. You're staying here. Well, if they take, Lakers did that with Kobe Bryant, by the way. If they take the Ben Simmons route, uh, you know, Ben Simmons didn't play at all last year, and and the 76ers lost a year of value on that contract. The Kevin Durant's already, I think he's 33 or 34. It's you're gonna lose a lot of value if you just let him sit out an entire year. When it, unless you know, if you need to commit to a rebuild, get on with it. Go get your draft picks and your pick swaps and recoup everything you lost in trading for James Harden in the first place. You know? So, I, I don't know, man. I, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, you, can, you can just tell. The owners, they're like, what, do these contracts mean anything? Did these five-year commitments mean anything? Because we're giving up assets. We're concocting our team. We're organizing for the future, and a player doesn't like the direction. Yeah, I'm good here. I mean... It's that's that's a difficult they're in a really difficult position. And so we cannot talk about the hierarchy of the league until we know where KD and or Kyrie lands. Well, KD is uh, interested, apparently, in going to the Phoenix Suns. 
got to imagine that there's some trades that make sense there since DeAndre Jordan doesn't apparently want to come back to the Phoenix Suns, and he's going to have a big contract to sign and some sort of sign-and-trade deal. DeAndre Ayton. Excuse me. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. DeAndre Ayton. Um, and uh, the other destination, I believe, is uh, down in Miami, if Miami is willing to part with your guy. Who's my guy? Your favorite over there in Miami. Who's my guy? You covered him in Chicago? Who's my guy? Who's your guy? Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Buckets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And, and if I'm Pat Riley, I'm... I'm parting with him right away. Here you go. He's all yours, guys. We'll take Kevin Durant now. Yeah. Um, pretty much everybody should be... I mean, not everybody. The majority of the league should be available, and uh, every team should be calling uh, outside of Denver. We don't, need, we don't need to deal with that, although it would be very exciting. Well, I we, just, we already did earlier in the podcast. Right. Right, right, right. So, I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned... Two significant trades, uh, a pretty, I don't know, a, a quote-unquote aggressive free agency. And, and, and yes, you can criticize DeAndre, but you end up getting a defensive guy, multiple defensive guys, and, um, you know, I, I, like, and obviously all of it is contingent on health. I think, as you mentioned earlier, if Porter's healthy, like this team's going to be a problem. So Mike Singer uh, just came back from vacation, very brief vacation in North Carolina. I don't know if he took his shirt off and wove it around his head like a helicopter, but we do know he was there for four days. Mike. I did. <laughs> how was your trip? What happened? Tell. Do you know how many bar mitzvahs I've been at where that song came on when I was on the 13-year-old bar mitzvah circuit? Oh, boy. <laughs> that was an unnecessary aside, but still awesome. Um, the, it was the National Sports Media Association uh, had, their, had their conference. Their and convention. why were you there, Mike Singer? Unclear. Very unclear. Uh, somebody tabbed me as the Colorado Sports Writer of the Year. The best sports writer in the state, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. So uh, I got a state invite. It was awesome. Um, my parents came. Uh, my wife came. And we, you know, I, I ended up getting to cross paths with all the people in the NBA who won. We ended up taking a really cool picture Um you know, there may have been like 10 of us across the NBA. I'm talking like the Atlanta Hawks broadcaster, Steve Holman, uh, the Orlando Magic broadcaster, uh, David Steele, uh, Kate Scott from the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, who covers the Philadelphia 76ers. We were all there. Chris Kirshner from The Athletic, who writes for, who covers the Atlanta Hawks, he won. And, and my boy James Edwards, um, who covers the Pistons for the Athletic, he won as well. He wasn't there, but th that was the swath. That was the swath of NBA people. Ernie Johnson was there as the um, National Broadcaster of the Year. He tied with Scott Van Pelt as the National Broadcaster of the Year. Uh, Jackie McMullen was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I had a couple of drinks with Jackie, had a couple of drinks with Ernie Johnson. Um, and oh, by the way... Hanging out with Ernie. Hanging out with Ernie. Had, can I just tell you something really funny that happened in what, the? What's Ernie's drink? Uh, 
I, f- I forget what he, I, he was having some cocktail. I forget what it was. It was late cocktail night. man. He was a cocktail man. So Ernie Johnson was having this, was holding court and having like a seminar with a bunch of, you know, Q and A's. Everyone's asking questions and stuff. And I'm sitting like, I don't know, a third row or something with my parents. My parents need to sit close, whatever. And out of nowhere, he cites the Denver post and how Michael Malone is among the best quotes in the NBA. And I'm looking at him like that was not random. Like, do you like where did that come from? I go up to Ernie Johnson after the after his big talk, and I go, Ernie, like, where the hell did that did the Denver Post shout out come from? And he was like, well, I just I just thought that Michael Malone's a really good quote. And I was like, Do you know I work for the Denver Post? And do you know I cover the Nuggets? <laughs> and Ernie was like, No, I had no idea. Who are you? Yes, that's pretty much what happened. Can you get me a drink, please? Yeah, can can you give me a cocktail? Um, no, man, but Ernie is the nicest dude in the world. Uh, Scott Van Pelt was really, really nice. Jackie Mack. Tall. I heard sneaky he's tall. Huge. He's huge. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Could probably be a uh, the Nuggets backup center if uh, they hadn't poured money into DeAndre. Might, might, might be as athletic as DeAndre these days. Your words, not mine. Um, and... Uh, you know, hung out with Jackie Mack, hung out with Curry Kirkpatrick, who got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh, been around for a long time. Been around for, he's hilarious. Curry Kirkpatrick is awesome. Curry Kirkpatrick's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Who is Curry's introducer at this big award ceremony? It is none other. There, there, there are two people. One was Leslie Visser. The other was none other than Sir Charles himself. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's there. Hey there. And um, he is hilarious. Everything about Charles. What's he drinking? He's drinking like vodka soda, I think. At one point, he at one point he like after the ceremony, we go to the bar afterwards, and um, he starts a tab. Always can go multiple directions at that point, <laughs> and he's just holding court, man. Charles is so cool. Like we talked about the the perceived disrespect of Nikola Jokic. He goes, man. Like y- y'all think he y- y'all think he doesn't get any respect. He was the the MF and MVP. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and he keeps going. Excellent point. He keeps going on and on. And my sister happens to be there. She's a big Charles Barkley fan. The whole singer clan is out for this thing. Singer clan. I mean, you know, it's very unlikely uh, we win again. So we had to we had to cash in our chips. So uh, my sister, who's an animal rights advocate, starts talking to Charles Barkley about subway and about the tuna fish and she goes is it real tuna fish and i'm not gonna say what charles said (laughs) but charles is is talking about he goes i gotta get to dallas i gotta film another commercial with tony romo like that's coming in soon um and he goes if you're who's who's ordering tuna fish at a subway i'm not going to a sandwich shop to order tuna fish and then did did your sister chain herself to a stanchion in minnesota that's is that her that was not her she may be friends with that person but that was not her she did not get tackled by the security guard on the (laughs) sideline at the target center uh and then somehow the conversation again this is like one one o'clock in the morning or something like that 1 30 in the morning the conversation shifts to uh hot yoga and my sister is talking about hot yoga and you know the benefits of yoga and all this crap and and charles looks at her and he's just like, man, hot yoga ain't nothing but stretching. And I don't <laughs> like stretching. <laughs> so we it, it was a great night. 
Yeah, sounds like a lovely time. I'm re- I'm glad your sister made it too. Sounds like she was like the right firecracker to throw into that cocktail. Yeah, she's. Oh my god, did did the question come up from my sister to Charles Barkley? How old do you think I am? It may have. It may have. Was Sir Charles flattering my sister? Who knows? Who's to say? Uh, but it was an awesome night. It was an awesome weekend. Um. And, you know, you end up you end up making a lot of friends with just people around the NBA and uh, who, who I can't wait to see, uh, you know, as I travel next season. But, um, you know, it was an awesome weekend and and maybe I can get Sir Charles on the podcast. I'll, I'll do my best. That'd be lovely. I'll try. And now. Before we get to Mike's favorite part of the podcast. Listener comments. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Sofa Source, our corporate sponsors. You want a sofa? Go to the source. Sofa Source. Can you explain that rather than just dropping Sofa Source? Can you explain You want the a good sofa at a bargain basement price? Oh my god. You go to Sofa Source. Oh my god. Our producer Aaron Antaveres has a side hustle deemed Sofa Source. Oh, side aside here. Who Are call, you side call? noting my side note? Yes. Okay. Who calls it a sofa? Have you? When's the last time you used the word sofa? Well, I'm in the process of moving into couch? my new house, so I talk. I've been talking a lot about sofas. I yeah, but don't you always just say couch? I'm gonna go sit on the couch. In Who? fact, I need to invoke Sofa Source uh, for my new couch or for my new house. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> anyway, that's Sofa Source. Sofa Source. Oh my god! Okay, keep going, dude. <laughs> All right. Now for the listener comments. As we've noted before, you can rate our podcast on iTunes and any other place where you get your podcasts. But on iTunes, you can also leave a review. And if you leave a review and you give us five stars, you can rip us to shreds. But as long as you give us five stars, I'm going to read it here right on this podcast. And Mike's going to halfway pay attention as I go through these different comments from our listeners who we adore. Go on. <laughs> the first from Nugs Broad. Is that okay? <laughs> Can I say Nugs Broad? Is that okay? Is that all right? A lot of cringy faces in this room right now. Anyway. We're going to get an angry email from our corporate sponsors <laughs> at the end of this. <laughs> Five stars. Great pod is the title. Only three words. Big Honey Energy. We got Big Honey Energy here on the Nuggets Inc. podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, Nugs Broad. Next up. This is from Q-Stick Joe. (laughs) Another five-star review from Q-Stick Joe. Fountain of Knowledge is the title. Nuggets Inc., is just the fix every diehard Denver Nuggets fan needs. Mellow Matt and Mighty Mike deliver the dry yet magnetic one-two punch of real news and deep backstory covering the highs and lows of our beloved basketball team with raw honesty and humor. This insightful podcast is a perfect complement to the ink written about our hardwood heroes in the Denver Post by these fine journalists. Highly recommended. If my new nickname is Mighty Mike, I just wanted to say that squares with the very first NBA jersey I had as a kid. 
which was a Damon Stoudemire Raptors jersey that I freaking loved. Was that the Raptors jersey that actually had the Raptor with the basketball? Sure was. Sure was. Great jersey. It was a great jersey. That's an all-time. Why did they ever go away from that? Mighty Mike. Oh. Here to here to tell you nugget stories. Yeah, Damon Stoudemire, if you didn't know, if you're too young, was actually known as Mighty Mouse. So that's why what Mighty Mike works for that. Okay. We're going to read this off even though it's one star. You broke the rules. You broke the rules, Ryan184. You give us five, and then you rip us. Sulkfest is the title. I understand that Tim Conley is a good guy who is great to the media and had quite a bit of draft success. It's too bad he's got a ridiculous offer from Minnesota. The Nuggets' media response to him leaving is absolutely cringeworthy. It's easy to give away a piece of someone else's business. So why don't negative reviews show up? They just did. I just read it. I just read it, Ryan184. All, all I'm asking is you give us five stars, and then you can rip us. It's fine. Mike, any comments? Uh, we're here for honesty. Sulkfest. <laughs> That's the name of the new pod. <laughs> All right, last one. M. Lewis, one, two, three, four, five, five, six, and and backslash backslash five stars. Tim Connolly's departure. This was an excellent podcast. The depth of analysis was wonderful. The level of detachment needed to present other perspectives was very much appreciated. I'd say that's a counter to Sulkfest. What say you, M. Singer? I was uh, I was texting some people. I didn't listen. <laughs> yes, Mike Singer loves his listeners, everybody. He is a man of the people. That's all of our reviews today. Do we have anything to give away, Aaron? Anything to give away to our best review from the last four reviews that I just... My guess is that ace photographer Aaron Ontiveros can probably scrounge up a uh, an awesome portrait of something, be it Nuggets related or Avalanche Parade related, but this is a Nuggets podcast. We lean, we lean Nuggets. Oh, what a what a time that Avs maybe, Parade. Maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll send out uh, the the you know media portrait of DeAndre Jordan to our favorite listener. <laughs> All right. Well, if I'm if I'm voting, by the way, uh, I believe I'm going to go with the Fountain of Knowledge from from Q Q Stick Joe. You think that that's the one? Love Q. That's Joe. Mighty Mike. Long, long time listener. My, Mighty Mike. Q Stick Joe. Big fan of Q Sticks. So, all right. Well, uh, on that note, I think we're about ready to wrap this thing up. I do want to say I was at the Avs parade. That was glorious. If we could do that with the Nuggets, if I could see, and, and just, just so you know, this is my favorite moment of the entire Avs parade. I walk over to Broadway and Colfax, and what do I see? Jared Bednar, Avs coach, get tossed a beer, and he immediately pounds it and throws it back in the audience. I want to see that with Michael Malone. There is zero doubt. I, I, I bet you he and Bednar are like texting each other. Like, you, Can you shotgun a, a natty light on the parade route? I'm going to shotgun two of them. I, <laughs> I, bet you he, uh, I bet you he wants to one-up them. So, um, yeah, man, this is what the Nuggets are, are working towards, and – a uh, lot of fodder. Uh, you can't accuse them of being stale. Uh, whichever way you you know perceive this first couple weeks of Calvin Booth's tenure, 
you can't accuse him of sitting on his hands, man. Um, they've pulled some moves, whether you agree with them or not. And uh, in a few months, we're going to see if they work. Can't wait to see it. Mike Singer, thank you for joining us. We'll be back here again soon. Hopefully not at the corporate headquarters of SofaSource, but if we have to do it, that's what we do here at Nuggets, Inc. We sit on sofas that can be bought for a bargain basement price. I thought we said couch. It's SofaSource. I'm trying to... This, this is sponsored by SofaSource. Come on, singer. Okay, everybody. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. Turn around.